Hello, my chilly willies. This is your Andy pandering host, Matthew Sanborn Smith, and his Woody Woodpeckerhead podcast, Beware the Hairy Mango. It's the May 28th show. Today's story is all about twisting figures of speech into what they didn't exactly mean in the first place to serve my own needs. Also, twisting reasonable concepts out of recognition in order to lead into the title. For instance, if you tell your Tony Award-winning actor that a certain British secret agent has to be let go, you might yell, Harvey Firesteed! Harvey Firesteed by Matthew Sanborn Smith. It all began in the little town of Littletown, Nebraska, when the 12 people that lived there decided to expand their one-horse town by stealing the one horse from the next one-horse town over, a slightly smaller town, Hawaii. It was a rather long distance between one-horse towns in those days. The plan went smoothly, and the next day, Littletown had doubled its horsiness overnight. They were suddenly one step closer to pushing aside punk towns like New York City, and that's when the other small towns took notice. A feverish string of horse thieveries and spontaneous black stallion markets spread across the countryside. Those towns that couldn't afford an entire horse at once bought them on installment plans. Little did they know those horses would also be received in installments. A leg here, a stirrup there. In the town of Waffle House, Kansas, once the last payments were made, the people reassembled their horse, but it just lay there. The townspeople questioned why there were still a couple of bolts and washers left over. Someone figured since it was something of a Franken-horse, those bolts belonged on the neck. Inspired by that thought, the citizens tried using torches to scare their new horse into activity. When nothing continued to happen, they figured its eyesight was probably poor given the amount of flies that were crawling around on its eyeballs. When they got closer, they accidentally set the horse on fire. A fast-thinking fire truckery grabbed some nearby saddle blankets and tried beating the fire out. That's when they learned the awful truth about the pointlessness of beating a dead horse. It was physically impossible. In short order, the entire town burnt to the ground and the market for horse parts took a sudden dive. People told tales of the little town that couldn't, which became known as the Harvey Firesteed incident, as if it were a parable of horsey greed. But the mayor of slightly smaller town Hawaii, which had become a laughingstock since its abrupt change of status to no horse town, took a different lesson from the debacle. She saw it as definitive proof of the futility of beating a dead horse. She convinced the town council to buy up dead horses by the bundle and stealthily enter them in high-stakes poker games across the country. By the time people realized the dead horses simply could not be beaten, slightly smaller town had raked in millions, and there were no dead horses left for anyone else because the Hawaiians had bought them all up. They soon swept across the face of the earth with their unbeatable army of dead horse super soldiers. The marines were called in to stop them, and after decades of looking for a few good men, they had amassed quite a number of them. Unfortunately, you can't keep a good man down, and the marines all floated up into the sky. Dead horses ruled the earth because they couldn't be beaten in any political race either, or palace coup. But when they went into space, the unkeepdownable marines were already up there waiting for them. Of course, that didn't mean the Marines could beat them or anything. If this story horsed your throat, you can suck it in other Smith Brothers lozenges, or just suck it at the web address of the Pony Express, BewareTheHairyMango.com. Slam dancingly into the comments for this post, or BBC mail me, and we'll enjoy some big black... I uh, can't make out what that says. You know, for a word processor, you have really terrible handwriting. Um, um, um uh, add Matthew at BewareTheHairyMango.com or help me British broadcast myself at BewareTheHairyMango at gmail.com. 
Oh, I know what that said. Whenever our marriages needed spicing up for the 14th time, the SF and SF signal used to stand for smelly fixation. The result of a lifetime of sensory overload, when all we had left was sniffing each other's usually most confined body parts, or those pieces of attire which did the heavy confining. You don't know the exciting odor of the crook of the arm until you've gone through the laundry and inhaled the elbows of your co-workers' filthiest flannel shirts. I'm just saying, we've run out of normal things to do. She walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climbs and starry skies, and all that's best of dark and bright, follow me at twitter.com slash upwithgravity, which is when she walks in ugly. Hey, why not let me talk about my new Tumblr page right quick? Not beware the Harry Mangos Tumblr, which I seem to have let roll off a cliff through neglect, but rather alteredids.tumblr.com, or maybe you'll pronounce it alteredids.tumblr.com. Either one works. It's a place where I collect different visual takes on long-established characters, mostly comic book superheroes because that's my jelly, but I do poke my head out of that hole once in a while. Take a look and you'll get what I'm doing there. The link is in the show notes. Hey gangsters, pause this show and donate a dollar to that paused show by way of the donate button on the homepage. If you wait till later, you'll forget. I know you're trying to forget, but don't think of it as giving a dollar to me. Think of it as taking away a dollar from someone who is not me. And isn't that something you've always wanted to have done to other people in my name? Say, all other people? This podcast hops bunny wailingly across the dance floor at your sister's wedding reception after a ceremony during which everyone sat on the bride's side because she was such a narcissistic lunatic she went and married herself, and the happiest guy in the room is her lawyer who's going to make a boatload of money representing both sides in the divorce because he, of all people, knows she can't live with herself, and if only he could clone her so there'd be a custody battle that would bankrupt even the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Like 4.0 International License. Until the cows go back out again, this shudders at the bitter taste of Matthew Sanborn Smith and reminds you nothing brings the family together like wild game night on Wednesdays, like that time you played Scrabble with a moose because it was so much fun to gang up on him. I mean, he sucked at it. There was no way he could manipulate those little tiles with his big clumpy hooves. Loser. Good night. <laughs>